I'm incredibly sentimental and like nostalgic and like emo. So like the passage of time is extremely upsetting <laughs> to me and always has been, always has been. And, but I think that it's all off kilter now because the co the COVID and then like turning 40 and COVID and then like having been in New York and then like restarting my life a little bit in Toronto, that all, that was like eight years between COVID and moving. So I feel like time makes less sense than ever now. <laughs> <laughs> having a big birthday during covid was weird too definitely you know, yeah like my birthday was april apartment. 2020 <laughs> i turned 40 and it was just like so your body changes your outlook changes your relationship to work changes anyway i think like around this time and then it happened to coincide with this like world event that changed everything all those things for everybody so who knows <laughs> <laughs> what would have happened regardless uh, had you not had this backdrop happening? I was getting my eyes checked out. The optometrist said something along the lines of, he's like, he's like, yeah, you, you know, you probably won't need it like for a couple of years, like your, your prescription won't change. And then you hit 40. And there's this weird, yeah. like, you know, there, like there's an extent to which it's sort of like an arbitrary milestone, but I don't know. The, the, do, do you feel like turning 40, like, really had this marked impact on these various facets of your life? Um, I didn't think it was going to, but I think I, I think that it has, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Cause like when now you would talk to like my parents, like older, older people and they're like, 40 is nothing. Wait till you get to 50 or sick. And you're like, it's just always a rolling on thing. <laughs> Granted, it's not that long ago, but I was reading an interview with you from like 2017. I think it was at the guardian. You were talking about aging then you know so you're i know i mean i if you look at some of my earlier books um like uh i think it's indoor voice or gilded lilies like there's drawings of myself as a very old person and i did a thing in the guardian yeah that was like me aging so i feel like i've been on this like visualization tip to understand it and not feel so scared about it Uh, i also you know i do i do uh volunteering with adult literacy and like work with seniors and stuff and i'm now making a book about like my i have a cat who's like almost 21 years old so i feel like i'm i've always been i feel like i'm thinking about aging uh and being old specifically aging and being older you know different things right uh so um there's always been like an attempt to understand that but i don't think it's i mean now hitting middle age you really it's all the things, all the cliches make sense and all the things that old people said that you're just like, that is so boring. I do not care. It's all I want to hear about. You know, it's like I was talking with some friends the other day that they were like, God, like, all I want to do is read about like marriages, you know, uh, how hard that is and all these things that would have, <laughs> and like menopause. I want to read literature about menopause now. And it's just like, <laughs> Stuff that couldn't have been, like, less intriguing or interesting to, like, a younger version of ourselves. We were like, that's what I want to read now. Uh, There's a lot less uh, literature and art made about menopause than there is about puberty. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is changing. This is changing as, like, 
you know, the life expectancy has increased over the past century, but also just how people are regarding like getting older um, and like just, you know, women's uh, health issues in, in general. But I, I think traditionally like puberty was regarded as an exciting thing and the beginning of something and menopause was regarded as the end of something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's something people didn't want to talk about probably. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think that that could change. I think that that will be like a, a thing that is being explored now. Cause I know a lot of, you know, just anecdotally, my artist friends are starting to think that and make art about middle age and all that stuff. So that's cool. I was reading Julie Wirtz's latest book and there's this, I don't know if you've read it yet, but there's a moment in there where she's talking about, I think going back to, I think it was like SPX and somebody like talked about her being like, she meets this like young kid and they, they say something like, Oh, you know, like you're, you're an elder statesman or whatever. (laughs) And she got super excited about it. And I was Uh like, Oh, that's really nice. You know, like, that's a good reaction. That's not, I don't have that. It's a good instinct to have though, is to be sort of, excited you know excited about being regarded as somebody who's like been around for the while a while and has something to teach you yeah for sure um i it's funny yeah i I mean i guess i have to accept that but it's also like i have i feel like i have so much more to do (laughs) things that i want to do you're not dying soon like i you know i don't there's i don't know anything that you don't know about no 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 (laughs) It's just weird to hear that because you're like, I feel like I'm like, aren't I kind of at the beginning as well? But you're not. <laughs> um, but you are you are also aware that, you know, these books take so long to make and you only have how much more uh, working life in you. you it's, there's a limit, right? You do have to maybe choose when to make books and jump into those books you've been wanting to make um, because it's like, you know, if all of them take five years to do, <laughs> it adds up. <laughs> you know, like I had Bill Griffith on the show. I'm like, okay, like he's in his 70s. Like, yeah, like that's a fair conversation to have. But like, Adrian Tomina isn't that old. And he was yeah. like very much just quantifying the like remaining years <laughs> of his life and the number of books, you know? So I, it's not, it's something that cartoonists, I don't speak to as many novelists, but novelists are probably the same. Start thinking about it like a pretty early age, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, it's also, there's such an expenditure of energy that you're just like, well, I even have that level of energy to be able to run this gauntlet over and over again. <laughs> uh, and do I want to? I mean, uh, it's kind of hard. It's getting harder and harder to be an artist uh, or commercial artist working now. So You mean like from a financial standpoint? or Yeah, financial. And uh, a lot of the industry is changing <laughs> uh, very quickly. And the economics of it are... I mean, they've always changed, though. I mean, I graduated right after 9-11, and, you know, they've, it's always been in flux. So you've always had to, you've always had to adapt and, uh, to the changing publishing environment and all this stuff. But at some point, you're like, I'm, t- like, I'm tired. <laughs> do, I, do, I always, do I have to be, do I have to learn TikTok now? <laughs> like, um, uh, so it, that's a little bit comes into the energy too. It's not just to make the book to be like, but to also like exist within the, the um, in, industry and 
environment. I wonder how much of like the nature of your response to that specific question is based on sort of the the, the process you are in the cycle of making a book. Now, obviously, like <laughs> roaming is, roaming has been finished for I assume a long time at this point, and you toured on it for it was like a long tour. You were talking about it for a couple months, and then there's that sort of like you know I don't want to be glib about it, but you know people. Call like postpartum depression, you know, like, but just that idea of like, am I sounding, um, a no, 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 and, uh- no, I mean, a little bit, but, but like, I get it, but, but I'm also wondering if it's like, if, if you're from that standpoint, how your relationship changes to a, uh, a piece of work, like when you're in the middle of it, you know, is it more energizing than when it's kind of finished and you're kind of feel like you're done? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, uh, I get really depressed. Uh, I mean, making a thing is not totally enjoyable anyway. Um, I mean, it's up and down and it's like, you get little moments of grace that then like buoy you through (laughs) the slog of it. But, um, the, whenever I finish a book, I get extremely depressed um just because like the thing isn't like alive anymore you know what i mean like you can't make it better you only half accomplished the things you wanted to accomplish (laughs) you fixate on the weak parts and not the strong parts like and that you can when you declare it finished the those are things are just all frozen in time and they're sort of evidence of your like fa- failures or like weaknesses is <laughs> just there um and so like all my books i feel like i soften my attitude towards them as like time goes on and i'm like further away from them but yeah no for sure like i um i'm definitely a person that prefers to be like in in the process, even though, again, I just said it was, it's difficult. I, that's where I'm more, most comfortable and I'm not within in, in progress with any book right now. So it, it makes me, it's just too much time to think. <laughs> you may not feel this way. People have told me this too. It, it's hard to like understand this about yourself, but like from where I sit looking at you and your career, you seem like a very prolific person and you seem like somebody who like has one or two or more projects going on at any given time uh sometimes not not recently i feel like you know i when i was for the first god like 10 plus years uh always juggling a million things uh partially because you're 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 establishing yourself and you're younger and you know it was like before you're in a creative community before people had kids Uh, and and you can work a day job and then like you still can like just work on something till midnight and it's fine well just that energy is really different right and you're all especially in new york that was what was great about being there was uh the frisian and like the energy just buoys each other up right um and so uh that was a very productive time uh now i think that i do more like things one at a time and i'll have a little things lined up to butt up against one another but uh i do now do one like sort of one one book at a time one book at a time which like is good and bad like i think that it's so it feels so luxurious to be able to i mean i'm still always doing other things on the background but not to the same volume but um it feels it feels very luxurious to be able to focus really intensely on each book as they come, but then 
that can feel a little dangerous too as like a person that can be like overly precious and like overthink things and want things to be perfect and da, 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 da. I think that that can like actually work against you to have like t- too much freedom almost <laughs> or you know you uh, the, it, it gives you too much latitude to like indulge in some of those bad habits. <laughs> Whereas if like, that's why I think a deadline can be great. You know, it forces you to finish and commit and be fine with as it is. And yeah, I'm taking a couple of weeks off of work right now because I had, I basically have like vacation that I didn't use up that I need to blow through. And, you know, I traveled a little bit. I went to, to Portland, Vancouver, but like the, the, lion's share of the time i'd just been hanging in my apartment i've been getting a lot of reading done that's great again part of this has to do with the fact that i'm kind of like injured at the moment and and can't like you know do too Mm. much but but i've done so much cleaning of my apartment like (laughs) and so much like post-pandemic cleaning of just like i was feeling like i was becoming kind of like a hoarder you know i was like yeah getting like uncomfortable with it and then i just when i force myself to have free time. I don't know what to do with myself. So I have to find like other ways to feel productive. Were you um, a clean person before? Yeah. Have you always been a clean person? Oh, you have been. Okay. You are. I was a, I was pretty organized before. Um, yeah. But there's and a I, difference between organized and clean. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, they kind of <laughs> granted, like granted. Okay. Well, let me go, let me really go into this. Um, I, I like a lot of people uh, got to the point where I like finally started doing therapy during the pandemic and I got diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like they're every- like, Oh, the, the, the pieces are clicking and everything, place. you know, I was comparing <laughs> it to like, I, you know, I'm not like a astrology person, but like I was comparing it to like reading the best horoscope anyone has ever written about you. And you're like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like good. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's good. But I, that plays it's into good to have a of, diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, but I think that plays. Thank you. I think that plays into like you know in, into being clean and 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 like trying to like yeah to a you know I have so many issues with being clean because my my mom is really clean. Not like you know just very tidy. Really yeah. wants everything tidy and clean and wants the like vacuum um strokes to be overlapping like in the right way <laughs> you know what i mean um like people are with their lawns she is with the carpet oh she's like that with the lawn too <laughs> and so like um so i was always like you know you're you know accused of being a little slaw i've never been really clean clean uh and i feel like it's like you're kind of sl- always as kind of a sloppy person and like not dirty, but not neat, you know, and like kind of felt this pressure from like the mother figure that you're like not clean and you're dirty and like it's in your like dirty and like messy and it's like you're yeah. a slob. And so um, I like pig pen with the <laughs> good for your immune, immune system, you know, but then it's like, um, I so I it's like part of my identity almost now to is like in like oppositional you know like so much of your identity comes up from like oppositional forces. Uh, I've always like had these hangups about cleanliness and neatness and tidiness, and now like I do feel 
maybe this is getting off. Like, get, there is actually a pleasure to cleaning, and there is like a pleasure in like existing within cleanliness. But like, I've actually like resisted some of that, and now I'm like renegotiating my like relationship to cleanliness and like. It's okay to like it, it like in it, don't you admit that it is nice to be around like a clean apartment and that, you know that isn't like and there's a domestic like gender thing in there too uh but yeah so <laughs> there's no point to my story I'm just saying that like this is a topic that is very interesting to me <laughs> I think that this really speaks to what we were talking about at the beginning which is I don't know, for you, maybe maybe cleaning is one of those things. Like, again, you hit 40, and you're like, people have told me this thing about cleaning, and now I'm experiencing it from the other side. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe Marie Kondo has a point. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, it is, like, kind of weird, the... Um, I don't know, things are cliche for a reason. It's because other people have, like, t- you know, gone through it and made note of it, and you don't understand that until you're at that place yourself <laughs> you deal with some younger artists too like in terms of like you know teaching or or giving talks but of that of experiencing that frustration that older people felt with you about like why is it any of this getting through yeah but i don't know sometimes i think about like the older uh it wasn't every teacher not by any stretch of the imagination but like sort of like um when I was in school, there was a little bit of a tendency on the teachers to be kind of dismissive or like Debbie Downers, you know, of just like, oh, well, it's all going to shit. And like at this point, it was like the computer is going to replace us all because we all were airbrush artists. And now that computer, that damn Photoshop, and like, and this, again, this really is the time that I came up with like stock illustration. That stock illustration is going to just decimate our industry. And you're just like, why am I, I'm at, why are you telling me this? You know? Um, Oh man. You know, you get to that point and you're like, okay, well this is, I know in my soul that this is the thing that I need to do. And the only thing that I'm really good at and that will make me happy. But I also know that I'm going to do everything I can to dissuade other people from following me into this world. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't get that, like, impulse in a way, you know? Um, I try to be a little bit more positive. Well, but still being realistic, right? Like, to the challenges of being a professional artist. But, yeah, it's just so funny. Like, in retrospect, I'm like, why were they so, like, uh, it's not not being mean. It's, like, being overly uh, nihilistic or... uh, (laughs) Pessimist, pessimist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, your your sister is an artist. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's younger. She's three years younger. Okay, so that I mean, that's not a yeah. big gap at all. But I, I assume you had some of these conversations with her as she was exploring this world. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, she, she and I are so similar, and we get along really well. Like, she's my best friend i would say um and she kind of we've always gotten along pretty well i mean besides when you're like really young and you have to babysit each other right um so 
she was actually much more focused than I was. She had such an a strong, my, my sister's Lauren Tamaki, by the way. Uh, she had such a strong aesthetic taste, even as a child. Like she was really into classical music and she was really into like Mad Magazine. She like collected Mad Mag, which is extremely That's, sophisticated, I think. Yeah, for, kind like, of, but those are also both ends of the spectrum. No, but they're like, it's cool, you know? And she was very into like Archie and she was very into like, uh, like, uh, just like gemstones like she had a very strong like aesthetic sense of art and i was not really like that and so i feel like she was much more strongly you know sure of herself that she was going to be an artist and be in culture uh, because she was an aesthete whereas i was good at drawing but why was i good at drawing was because i was obsessed with horses and therefore copied pictures of horses all the time and like rendered photographs and like you know horses are famously hard to draw i think actually probably learned uh pretty good observational skills by trying to draw horses so like i was and i wanted to be a vet and i really actually hated being told you're going to be an artist well and i was like don't tell me nobody likes to be told what to do you know <laughs> and so i really resented the fact that like i was being pushed by the world and maybe even i don't know like there was an attraction to it but i really just didn't think that that was like a good thing to follow so i don't know in terms just getting back to the question of like my sister i really didn't have to give her any guidance i think that some of the problem is that she's just we're naturally good at the same things we're attracted to a lot of the same things and she's followed my footsteps she recently moved to back to toronto from New York, oh, literally, <laughs> which is what I had done. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and she, I think it's like, but we just kind of have the same. It's just it feels like very not. It feels almost coincidental because we just are very very similar and we're attracted to the same things and kind of have a similar skill set. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what a talented family, though, right? <laughs> One thing that surprised me is like you and Marika weren't super close growing up. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Calgary, right? Which is like, for some of our listeners, I'll just explain where that is. That is like above Montana. <laughs> you know, it's like the wet. It's the prairies, right? And uh, Mariko grew up here in Toronto. And I mean, my uh, my parents are from the east, as they call it. They're from yeah, Montreal. I should I should they, interject that that Calgary like. They, they have like a huge rodeo there, which is kind they of, do the stampede. Yeah, which stampede. should kind of give you like an idea. Which is a bacchanal where everybody's allowed to wear jeans for, I'm not even joking. And there's like hay bales in the, in the bank and like, uh, everybody's allowed to wear jeans and cowboy Western wear for like 10 days and everybody's just like drunk off their asses. I mean, this is the way it was when I was growing up. Anyway, so my parents don't, they don't like going to Ontario or Quebec. They don't like, they are Calgary people now, even though they grew up over there. So we did not feel like, I feel like we never came and visited, uh, you know, Toronto. I feel like we, I came, if somebody, we, were, we had this joke on tour of like, if somebody died or got married, which was like a couple times, like we would come over and they did not, you know, people don't give a shit about like people in the east don't give a shit about the west so they never came over there so we didn't see we didn't grow up with one another at all it was more when i came um to go to school in 
I went to Kingston, or sorry, I went to Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario for my foundation year. And so that's like, to go back home, you go through Toronto. And I had friend, a lot of friends from that uh, were from Toronto that I made at Queen's. And so I was spending more time in Toronto. And that's when I got to know her. And we started, you know, getting, uh, eat, eat, eating dinners and having lunch together and all this stuff. So um, that was when I really came to know her as an adult and uh, was really uh, pleasantly surprised. I mean, because she was like a working artist and that was really, I didn't really know anybody like that. And she was involved in all this cool like theater activism stuff and uh, it was very impressive. <laughs> Do you know this like intrinsically or you know this logically, but until you actually meet somebody who, who makes a living doing it, it seems like a yeah. total pipe dream. Especially coming from our family, right? Which is a little like buttoned down. <laughs> They're all like, uh, they're our parents' generation, because our, our brothers are, or sorry, our dads are brothers. So, like, that generation of uh, our parents, they're all lawyers and tax. They're all in tax. <laughs> my dad's a tax account. Were they first generation? No. Uh, my. Grand, our grandfather was born here, and oh, well, okay. his father, yeah. our great grandfather, came when he was like young. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's always that, a little bit of that. Like the the more recent your family yes, immigrated, definitely. the more pressure there is to, I guess, perform. Uh, definitely. I mean, and it a lot. I think a lot of it has to do with like the incarceration that happened of our family um, in World War II, where you part of that response was pretty aggressive assimilation of just like, well, and you're talking about domestic, you're talking about like in North America. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's uh, okay. How do we protect us ourselves from this ever happening again? We become professionals and uh, we, we hardcore assimilate, you know, I've a lot of thoughts on that, but um, that was, that was that generation. Right. So everybody that he, my grandfather became a lawyer and he was, you know, a very prominent first, you know, first Japanese Canadian lawyer, reach the bar, whatever, you know, like, and, and then his, all those kids, uh, went into professional life. And, uh, I have an aunt that's very artistic, but she became a lawyer too. Right. And so I feel like, uh, then the generation below that is allowed to like, they're, they're from a white collar, uh, class, right. So that they can pursue more, more freedom and in, in their, they have more freedom of choice as to what they want to follow. So, um, what was my, what was the original question? It's like the sacrifice that you're, <laughs> she, within our family, she was like quite unique in that she was a working artist. She had tattoos and, you know, at that point that was not that common to have like full sleeve tattoos and stuff. So that she was really like quite unique for our family. And I was like, that's, that's really interesting. And, whoa, crazy that that's a possibility. So I'm sure that that in, in some way um, was inspiring to me to, to that, you know, you don't necessarily, because I was so timid, like being in school of just like, okay, well, I'm interested in art, but like, that's not uh, a viable career path. I need to work in a museum or something. <laughs> and so I followed that. I didn't really want to do that. And then I was, you know, wanted to, okay, graphic designer, that seems sort of creative i'll do that and you know but that's a real job and i'll get a job in a company and things that are adjacent to what you want to do 
Yes, I was always looking for that, right? And then I worked in video games when I first graduated because that was again a real job. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I was freelancing, doing you know editorial, and then I eventually could do that full time. But that was working for real clients that were big clients and big uh, big corporations, and that there's a security to that or whatever, you know. So <laughs> I felt like I had to like in okay books, okay, but you know, it's so. Uh, but you're working in publishing and that's like a real, so I feel like it's always been like inching towards this um, artistic lifestyle. And I always really put a asterisk as I'm a commercial artist, but um, uh, it, it was always, it was very timid. It was, I never, ever wanted to jump off the cliff like fully. I think these are like healthy and understandable influences, especially, living in a place like Toronto and even more in a place like New York, where it is like very hard to make a living as an artist and, and, and increasingly so. Definitely. I'm actually, I'm really glad. I'm glad I did the, that progression, you know, it, it felt, it made it feel safer to me to be sort of incremental about it. Cause you know, I need to make a living, right? Like, <laughs> and I would be, feel so stressed out if I had, if I had sort of jumped off a cliff, it just wasn't me. Right. And so, um, that wouldn't have made me feel secure or, or safe. Right. So, and in a way, like, because I always had these really, um, made my money some other way. It allowed me to keep making books as a thing for myself. I considered it personal work. You know, and it was very uh, separate. That was, there was no pressure on me to like make all my money off of books because I always had another way of making money. And so I think that that was really freeing to have that um, kept clear for myself. You've had a lot of very successful books, but, you know, at first glance, there's nothing that strikes me as them being intentionally commercial. Yeah. I mean, there it's never it's not ever not part of my equation, but I I oh God, when your name is on something, <laughs> it changes the equation. I feel like when I was um, more of like a, a jobbing illustrator, it was your name is on that too. But it feels like you're putting on all these hats. But like I think that when you have to stand behind something and it's in a bookstore ostensibly for a long time, and your name is on it, like. I do still kind of want to reserve. I mean, I reserve the right to sell out at any time, but <laughs> I do try to keep that. Uh, I do try to keep, um, I just try to be thoughtful about what I do. You know, I'd rather make my money other ways. I keep having this conversation, like, especially with like musicians, I, I end up interviewing a lot of like punk musicians from like this, you know, seventies, eighties and nineties, just about like, and this is, you know, getting back to like, feeling like an old person talking to younger people, but like trying to explain <laughs> the concept of selling out to somebody who's Gen Z. Cause it's yeah. not, and I think that's great. I think it's great that it just doesn't really exist in the same way that it did in like the nineties. It doesn't exist in the same way, but I think that it's like, I think that there are still like some unwritten rules. <laughs> I mean, um, Like, I think that artists are, there's more understanding about, like, the difficulties of being, like, a professional artist, but um, 
So when it's like, go get that bag, you know, <laughs> like if you, if some on like a sponsored post or whatever, that's what like the comments are like be underneath the thing of like, yes, get, we understand. Like, has nothing, yeah, exactly. Like, go, go get it, you know. Um, but then I think that there is like, uh, I mean, look at the boycotting, you know, that that happens too. I think that there's, I don't even know how to. Well, what kind of boycotting specifically are you are you thinking of in this instance? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, for example, Beyonce be, play, allowing her movie to be played in Israel right now, or it's like a bit of a question of like, okay, like we actually there there's there's a, there's more discussion around. Um, uh, that and it's more nuanced than like you're a sellout man to like any sort of like commercial um, application of your work or whatever. I think that there's a little bit more nuance, but it's not totally um, carte blanche. I think you're drawing an important distinction here, and and again, this is part of like getting older uh, is examining some of your again what they call what they call in. Uh, there in cognitive therapy uh like core beliefs like re-examining these things that you uh. have carried around with you for a long time that you've never examined before and sometimes like you look at those things and you're like oh that was something i decided when i was 13 and i just never really questioned it uh. and and yeah. I, I think that the distinction you're drawing here is important because i i, th- I think at its core something like selling out like th- there are there are absolutely good impulses behind like like being against that um you know and people should be wary of of corporations but you're you're discussing having you know you know and it's it's all however however you feel about israel i guess but like a moral and ethical compass in the work that you do and that's like hopefully always going to be important uh yeah i mean i think people are really questioning that now <laughs> i think um and, you know, is it even ethical to be like, I mean, some of these questions, I, I, I just hear them floating around. Um, like, what is like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, the world needs like, my help and is my help that I'm doing like art? Like, is that the best use of my energies? Like, I mean, I think that those conversations, I have those conversations all the time with artists of all ages, you know, so um but I don't think it's just artists that are having that quest that, that are you know questioning themselves about some of that. I, my understanding is a big part of the reason why, like this one summer, for example, got banned is because there were a lot of like LGBTQ things in there, right? Like there were themes, there were, there were characters, there were there was mention of themes. There were mention of themes, yeah. That, that's such a like uh, the MPA movie like reference to themes, yeah. Um, but things that are important things that are you know if you're a kid growing up and not even like calgary but in like wherever alberta Mm -hmm. and you know maybe don't have a mariko in your life and don't have you know don't have that access Mm -hmm. to culture that like stumbling on this book in the library and realizing that there are like other people like you like that's 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 incredibly that's incredibly important and when which is why we must deprive yeah, of that experience. Well, no, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> no. it. That's yeah, exactly yeah, it. And I yeah, guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. you know, do you radicalize is, is too intensive a word, but like when something like that happens, does that make you want to like push even harder? Um, 
Uh, no. I mean, I want to keep on doing what I'm doing, you know, because I actually kind of I'm very lucky I get to make the books that I, I want to make. And it's so funny because I consider myself uh, quite a mainstream artist. <laughs> I don't really have, I'm not suppressing things that I would like to make a book, but it's too dark and it won't go with my brand. Like I kind of am lucky I get to make the books I want to make. And um, which are typically very quiet slice of life, uh, <laughs> little weird meditations on weird emotions that I'm having, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, this one summer was obviously done with my cousin. But then I remember, I'm like, oh, right. But like, even a book that's quite uh, quiet and personal is still bannable, like in our current environment, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really take much, uh, especially it, uh, that's ramped up now. Uh, when our book was first banned, it was much more explicitly like, okay, you're talking about LGBT uh, books or themes or that have characters or whatever. Now it just seems like kind of anything or... Um, anything related to race or history or um, in some cases, I I mean, I feel like you hear about them just removing the whole library. (laughs) There are pictures of the like empty shelves. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So, you know, um, just to be safe, right? Uh, (laughs) But it's, it's, it doesn't... So I don't think you actually have to try that hard to make something that's going to like ruffle like feathers or anything like that. Um, And that book is about the the messiness of like the transition, right? Um, And how you arrive at knowledge and how you arrived at uh, like you never just you're just not like ordained. Like or, or like bes- knowledge of like how to be an adult is of is like bestowed upon you. That doesn't just click on with puberty. Like that's quite the opposite, in fact. <laughs> yes, it's a very rocky road, and it's and it's met with myth and um, rumor, and you learn from your peers first. And a lot of times, which the the information you get from your peers is not that great. And so, like that's what that book is really depicting. Um, and I think that just anything to do with, um, and I say this, you know, that we're using it very broadly, sexuality and young people um, is uh, uh, very messy for some people. But it's like the kids are are on this journey of learning about this stuff anyway. So we're kind of just trying to depict that, I think. Um and, but that's, you know, people want to wrap kids in bubble wrap, I guess. Marika said in, in one of the joint interviews that the two of you did, and, it, you know, it makes sense, but she, she basically said she didn't, she didn't name any names and didn't throw any, anybody under the bus, but she's like, you know, there are, I'm aware of books that like have way more potentially controversial things in them, but I think that it is just being, hitting a certain level of popularity means you're that much more yeah. subject to scrutiny. And visibility, right? Like, it's all, all, I mean, I think a lot of this comes from us winning the Caldecott honor, um, which then, which it was an unusual book to win that because it was a comic and it for was for, like, older kids, right? Um, and then what, and that was controversial and unusual. And, but what I think happened is that a lot of people just buy those, buy 
all the winners of that year and then put it in the library. And it's like, I do, I think our book needs to be shelved correctly, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's like, not our fault that our book gets maybe shelved incorrectly or that people think that comics are all ages, right? That's like another thing that like people naturally, they think comics are for kids or or anybody could read them. And it's like, that's not true either. And again, that's not um, the fault of comics or cartoonists. So, yeah. Part of the genesis of, of roaming. I, I know that you had sort of the initial uh, seed or spark for uh the story but was that was it you, you, that you didn't want to do you didn't want to make it a YA book and that it was by the nature of I, I guess just the work you're creating that it, that it w- would be a book for for older readers um what is the what, what's what's the distinction there do you think I mean it was just it's actually I think probably technical <laughs> Like with some of the YA, I mean, I'm not. I'm even though I've published in YA, I'm definitely not like a YA head, like um, expert or anything. Oh, for sure. I just mean like in in terms of you, in terms of you wanting to do an older work. What does that mean? And and with this book, you know, they have sex, and they we show them having sex, you know, which is then automatically pings it out of like YA into like an adult audience. So I feel like just even technically, I mean, I think you probably could have alluded to it and then saved it and then maybe been able to categorize it as YA, but because you like actually show it, it's like it, it elevates it to like uh, an adult, but they were kind of calling it like new adult, I guess. Like there's all these small slivers of, of categories that um, uh, you can't think about that stuff, you know, as like the creator. You do and you don't. And it's something that, you know, you, you're probably hyper conscious of in the way that other people aren't because of, you know, what, what's happened to you on, on previous books in in terms of just sort of like knowing who, who the audience of, of the work is going to be. So there is an extent to which you, you know, perhaps like you feel like you need to make that a conscious decision who you're writing for as far as age groups go. Yeah. So we, we definitely set out to like not make a YA book uh, or just actually had the freedom to bust beyond some of those uh, invisible, they're not visible, invisible, but like those, those boundary lines um, because the kids, the women, the women in the book are adults. <laughs> so like we get, you know, you can actually treat them a little bit more like an adult. They can drink in Canada, but not the U S that's where they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's all uh, fluid, you know, what, what adulthood is. Um, but, uh, so, but I still think that there's like a siblinghood with the other books as well. Uh, and that's why, you know, I, I initiated this book because then it was sort of based on some experiences that I had, but I didn't get too, too far in the, you know, uh, concepting and trying to outline the thing a little bit before I was like, this really sounds like a book I would make with my cousin and make hopefully like an evolution, right. Of uh, the, the previous books and building upon some of those ideas that we explored in the earlier books. So that's when I asked if she wanted to work on it. <laughs> is part of that decision, I guess, the freedom that it grants you to make the kind of book that you want when you don't have to worry about bands or where it's being put in the library? 
Uh, it. I mean, I would lie if I said that it wasn't like a little bit of a relief that like I don't. <laughs> you don't have to like right walk that tightrope. Do I think that it could maybe end up in some places that um, it will would not be appreciated? Sure. By the nature but... of it having the two of your name on it, like it's some people are going to exactly, exactly. But you know, you can't you can't control uh, where these things go um, that much. <laughs> Once they're out, yeah, they're for out. Sure. Yeah, I mean it, that's just like the uh, making a piece of art in general, and it's the same. Like that's part of it, but you know, I talk I talk to like a lot of musicians who are just like, you know, it's it's not my song anymore when it's out there. And no, completely. I mean, it almost grows legs and like, and that's going to be really stressful, right? Like when you're working on a thing of just like, is this going to be interpreted in the way that I want it to be interpreted? But I also don't want to totally control the way it's interpreted because people, blah, blah, blah. like, you have all these like thoughts when you're making this thing that's going to be a little scary especially with the experiences that we've had of just like how a thing can just like go out into the world and have its own life uh, <laughs> uh it's cool but like it just goes to show that you really don't know where these things end up um but you have to let that go or else you wouldn't do anything because it would be too terrifying i was looking back and like figuring out the last time we talked so it's like almost 10 years ago it was 2014 so it was before it was before wow. all this stuff happened which is part of the reason why i'm like i'm very curious to get your new york comic con it must have been it must have been new york yeah. Con to get your take on you know how a lot of this stuff went down and i'm curious like you seem to be entirely or at least like largely at peace with with i mean obviously it, it sucks and it's shitty that you had to deal with it it's shitty that kids aren't getting access to these books but you you seem to be mostly at peace with it like when when you first when you were first really made aware of the fact that it was happening how did that feel i feel i look back on all these things that have happened like the you know winning uh certain awards or this happening which is a weird flip of it because it's a massive exposure to be banned, right? Um, I never am aware of the like magnitude of some of these things until like years later, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so like that happened, and actually, it's almost like you rev up the press cycle again, which is like so weird, you know, that like uh, something that is actually indicative of something so dark and. horrifying is yet more fodder for like press and promo uh which is what they want you to do you know um and it sort of like it it definitely feels weird to be part of like a bigger you know heavy quotations culture war (laughs) um and you know, it's really not about books at all. Like, you're just sort of like a little bit of a... Yeah, you're... you're. It's, it's just a little chip in the thing, right? So, uh, it's not actually about your book at all. I feel like most of the time, you end up on the, uh, that list one time, and then it just is cascading. It's not like... It's not like book... People reread the book and be like, Oh my god, like this is... I, I can't believe this. It's that you're already on a list somewhere and they just probably take that list to whatever school board or and then object. So, 
I'm not okay with it at all. But like, I just, it's, um, it's just so upsetting that you have to, I don't know. Uh, no, it's just upsetting. I'm thinking about it in terms of like the, the stages of grief, like the, however many stages of grief they have and it's like acceptance and all. And, and, and I'm wondering if you get to the point where it's like, or have you gotten to this point or is there a point when it's almost like a source of pride that you got put on that list? No, it's scary. It's scary. Talked a bit about this being a book for, for older audiences. Obviously the, the characters are a bit older, you know, do, do you see that trend sort of continuing? Do you know, do, do you see, you know, we're, like we were talking about menopause a lot at, yes. at the top like, <laughs> of, of, of the conversation. I'm not saying your next book is going to be about <laughs> menopause, but, but that, that, you know, that you'll, you'll, your characters, not, not that they're like, you know, going from book to book, but that your characters will sort of like mature as you do. I think so. Yeah. Uh, partially this is like, I don't know. I've made a, quite a few books about teenagers now and you know, we don't have infinite experiences as any individual, right? Like we have our set of experiences mm-hmm. and our set of like touchstone moments and our sets of, you know, traumatic things that happened <laughs> and our, you have, you know, the, the kinds of friends that you knew back then. And uh, so I feel like I've mined a lot of that. <laughs> so, uh, and it's funny because I'm a person that has a very strong observational memory. I remember the way that lake, that subdivision lake felt and the layout of it and I, and the, you know, this feeling and these kinds of like interactions I've had with people and how feeling, saying something to somebody and feeling shame after, like I, I have like a really, really strong like memory sensory memory and memory for stuff like that uh so but i will say that i look back on some of my earlier work not just the major work but just even some littler things that i've done i'm like right like i'm I'm kind of forgetting some of that from like my childhood (laughs) and so some of that is actually slipping away a little bit i'm really glad i made work about it so that it is somewhere and it can trigger those memories but like i don't they're they're not as vivid as they have been, you know, uh, at other times. So I think that and and making art is always going to be a process of understanding, right? Like you're you're working. That's why you like put all your books together, and you're like, man, I guess I'm really obsessed with friendships collapsing, <laughs> or like I guess I'm. <laughs> it seems weird that just talking to somebody and having them listen to you, like that you're paying yeah. somebody to do that. But yeah, just kind of talking through it, like you're like. Yeah, things start to add up. Yeah, and you're just like, wow. I guess it's just like, what am I attracted to? What am I? What am I? What problem am I chewing on in my brain? It's just like, oh, it's like these sets of themes. (laughs) You don't have to work too hard to like establish themes. I don't think, right? Um, So um, I think that I'm now needing to process other phases of my life as well. obvious like my 20s and my 30s right uh so i i absolutely think that that will be a bigger part of my work going forward and i have touched you know i've boundless that short story collection that i uh i think it was 2017 maybe we were talking about that 2014 um it was like well before that right oh right 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 i had some of that and i expect there will be more of like sort of these 
fully grown up people <laughs> as protagonists. 